Today on TechNATO, we'll be talking with IT Pro TV's Joe Peacock about how to become an ITIL trainer. We're also going to look at some news, including some malware attacks to start the new year and satanic corgis. That's all coming up on the TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined today by, well, two folks here. We have Don Pizzette, who you know and love and uh, are used to seeing, and we have Joe Peacock. Joe, how are you doing? Absolutely great. Thank you, Peter. How are you? I'm good. Did you get everything that you hoped for this uh, holiday season? Yeah, well, that would be telling, wouldn't it? <laughs> Don, I did you get everything that you... I, that sort of information. I got all the coal that I asked for, <laughs> every bit of it. Any cool tech gifts? <laughs> you know, it was a... Uh, Pretty light tech year. I got new headphones. That was my thing. I, I had my headphones are getting worn out, so I wanted new headphones. I got my daughter one of those. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's this little robot, but you can actually program it. So there's an, an iPad app where you're learning some basic, um, you know, structure of, of you know do this if then kind of statements. So at the time, it looks like like a, almost like a little forklift. Uh, no, there's no? that one, and okay. then this one is, looks like, um, you know, four spheres that are kind of stacked, and it's like an eyeball, a single eyeball on top, and it hmm. rolls around. And no, that looks quite cool, actually. I, I, yeah. I think I want to play that. I got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, see? Ooh. But then I bought that for myself, to be honest, <laughs> because I wanted to play Yeah, those are always the best gifts, are the ones that you get for yourself. But then I did get down a black hole watching that Bandersnatch movie as well, so I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that was my Christmas, summed up. Yeah, I, need to, I haven't watched the blindfold movie yet is it uh, oh the bird box we were bird talking box. about that earlier today yeah. uh. and and uh i hear today that netflix is warning people against uh doing the bird box challenge which is doing everyday tasks with a blindfold on like riding the escalator or crossing the street things I, that... i'm actually going to record itil for with a blindfold on i have decided <laughs> that is the itil challenge i'm going to watch bird box with a blindfold <laughs> so on. so is this going to turn into a thing like there there are there are regular human beings right now who are preparing for a zombie apocalypse that we all know is never actually going to happen because sure. zombies are made up, right? So are people going to start wearing blindfolds preparing for this demon invasion that also is not real? I, is it? Like I said, I haven't seen it yet. Which I, so I think please we find don't. out. The I just thought it was people wearing blindfolds. I haven't seen it, and I know there's monsters okay. in the woods. I, did, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't see a zombie. But then I think the whole... The whole point of that movie is the fact that you don't actually see the monster. Can we stop telling me what happens? And when Sandra Bullock dies, <laughs> oh, it is so movie. graphic. It's <laughs> All right, well, let's get to our first uh, news article. Actually, right, so we're going to talk with Joe here in a little bit uh, about uh, how you can become an ITIL trainer and take her job. But first, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the news that's happened over the last week or so. And our first article is from the well, from the LA Times, which means that it all worked out uh, because <laughs> the article is a malware attack disrupts delivery of LA Times and Tribune papers across the U.S. So maybe it just dis disrupted the people who actually um, get the papers. Is that what happened here, Don? You know, the news that has come out on this story has been so convoluted and mixed up, right? Uh, because on one hand, some of the, the outlets are saying that this was a targeted cyber attack specifically focused on the LA Times and, and uh, the Tribune papers. But then... You know, they'll say, like, it's a special ransomware that was crafted just to attack critical systems and servers. But then you start reading about all the, the instances of what actually happened, and a lot of their servers, like their website, their website never actually went down. So the headline here, when it says it disrupts delivery of the papers, it's talking about delivery of the real papers, the, the actual tangible uh, – some of our listeners might not know that. The newspapers used to be thrown on your doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that was disrupted because the – the system that people would use to upload articles to the, the printing press was basically locked down by ransomware. Now, I feel like, and this is just me with an opinion here, but I feel like this has all been sensationalized to a really grand level. Because to me, what it sounds like, when you start looking at all the details, it sounds like one person's computer got infected, and then it started infecting other computers. That happens to people all over the planet every single day. That doesn't mean it's a targeted cyber attack, but that's... That's the way the news is pitched these days. I, I just want to put that into perspective, and maybe it's because I'm old. 
<laughs> but I seem to remember a time when these these things that came out in black and white print. On papyrus. Uh, yeah, those things. <laughs> <laughs> but surely when you talk about them being delivered to, you know, the actual physical paper being delivered, what you mean is the, the physical paper being delivered to to stores and to shop fronts. You don't mean being delivered to individuals. So they never actually got hold of any sort of individual subscribers details personal details right it would have just been other organizations it's it more been disruption stores. of service than than trying to gather yeah, information right. a denial of service would be a better yeah. way to to a physical this. denial of service and, and attack. Yeah. i believe they even say here in the article what the actual pain finally was uh, somewhere in here it says that like papers that should have been delivered at 4 a.m ended up being delivered between 7 and 8 a.m and, oh, and, and no. again by delivered that means arriving at the distribution centers not necessarily the customers uh locations although customers usually get the newspapers pretty early in yeah. the morning so i'm sure they were disrupted too so they got a bit of a lay-in yeah, yeah, yeah. It said, uh, oh, here, papers that should have arrived in San Diego around 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. instead arrived at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. So, uh, you know, catastrophic, really, yeah. when you think about it. I'm, I'm surprised they were able to get through. There was a lot of complaining and, and people writing to their congressmen, uh, yeah. I'm sure, because that's what the... Do you remember where you does. were yeah. when the newspapers <laughs> were delayed four hours? I was still asleep. Do you get the newspaper? No. Neither do I. I. Do you, Joe? No. Yeah. So what they ended What's up that? doing? What's they, that? What's news? Yeah, no. <laughs> they just sent if they couldn't reach the printer, they just sent them to Shutterfly then and were able to print <laughs> yeah. them remotely that way. So that's how so, uh, they you were know, able to get around all this. It, it's actually kind of comical because in the article it goes on to say um, that one guy somewhere somewhere in here he says it. Um, this guy found out that his computer could still upload files, and so everybody was coming to use his computer, which just means his was the only one that didn't get infected. Yeah. <laughs> he hadn't opened the email yet. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I haven't seen the pictures from Jan's. Uh, uh, bridal shower yet? Yep. Well, no, he was too busy watching Bird Box on, exactly. on Netflix <laughs> instead of actually doing any work. Yeah. Don't don't ruin it. We're we're not talking about. He's that trying anymore. to get to ending number five of Bandersnatch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got to that one and probably twenty seven as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears to an actual attack then that uh, seems to have actually affected uh, real people. Uh, this one is on ktvb.com, uh, which is. Uh, Boise, Idaho. Okay, there we go. Uh, I had to find something on the site that said where this is from. We all know KTVB, of course. Uh, so this is an update. Uh, CenturyLink Internet has been restored with latency issues lingering, meaning that CenturyLink uh, was for a time down. And this is one of the major... Is this Backbone? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. CenturyLink is one of the largest internet service providers in the United States, actually in, in the world. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, odds are you're using CenturyLink service. I know when I lived in Seattle, I was using... well. We used Quest, which got acquired by CenturyLink, so you know it's all a very small world out there. Uh, but big deal for them to have an outage, especially a massive outage. This was not like a single city or even a single state. There were several states that were down, and 911 service was affected in a number of locations. So it was a huge outage. Uh, you know, as a as a network engineer, I always like to listen out for when there's disasters like this, because I like to hear about the cause. And and you don't hear about that a lot. You hear, oh, so and so had an outage, and oh, service is restored. It's fine now. Well, I, I like to hear about what actually went wrong. And when it's an outage this big, I kind of expected this to be another BGP routing table issue because we've been getting that a lot lately where all these routes get sent over to China by accident or Russia by accident. And so, you know, that's what I expected here. Turns out that's not the case. They had a out-of-band management network, so a network dedicated just for the management of their devices. And a network card on that, on that network started spewing malformed packets and it overwhelmed the management network. So they couldn't they couldn't actually connect to their devices to manage them. So when a minor outage occurred, they couldn't route around it, and then it became a major outage, and then it just spread, and it got worse and worse. And resetting a system wasn't enough until they were able to locate this one card. It, it actually came down to one network card that was blasting out bad packets. Now, is this one thing just failing, or is this one thing being taken over by hackers and, and being caused to fail? So reportedly, uh, it is just one thing failing. It was a, a misconfiguration. So they use software-defined networking. That's a big buzzword these days, uh, and it normally works well, but in this case, uh, it was not. And because it effectively locked them out of their management network, they couldn't even get into the devices. They were having to send people on site. And when you're CenturyLink, you've got equipment all over the world. You know, so sending people out and getting them on site to repair things, it's really hard. This is a whole like failure contingency they, they never even planned on. Uh, it just caught them blindsided, and they were down for quite a while. And, Don, if we bring this article back up, there's a map um, midway down the page here that shows uh, – I'm surprised – if this is a, a West Coast 
um, network, why is this affecting the East Coast as much as it did? Or so is- CenturyLink is actually spread all over the U.S., but if you look, see how they're primarily a Western service, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but they do provide services in markets like New York. Oh, they do. Uh, okay. you know, they, they, they actually have service in Tampa, Florida. So, you know, not too far from here, but like Gainesville, we, we don't have any, or, you know, Georgia, they're just in Atlanta, because they'll, they'll have a pop, a point of presence there. So they have servers and things. And if you're trying to access resources, those were part of that management network. Those all went down as well. But even local news news stations in those particular areas were actually broadcasting messages to say, if you're trying to call 911, if you do have an emergency, you might not be able to get through. So try the non-emergency number, yeah. which, of course, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know the non-emergency number for our police or for an ambulance or the fire brigade if I need them. Two. Nine one two, really? Yeah, okay. I know if I have an emergency and I can't call nine one one, I call one eight hundred. Ask Gary. Sure, Gary. <laughs> Gary will. <laughs> Does Alexa not do it for you? Is that a Florida joke? Would our non-Floridians? Florida uh, so in, in Florida, there's this really shady lawyer referral service. <laughs> I'm the... sure you have one of your own wherever you are. <laughs> could, um, uh, could Alexa not help us out with that one? She probably could. Yeah. So the the scary part about this one to me was that analog phone service was affected. And that's because so many trunks and, and you know, the, 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 the uh, bridge servers and all that have switched to voice over IP where you might start as an analog phone call, but you get converted over uh, to a digital call at the call centers. So this, this was a massive, massive outage. And uh, now the, the uh, FCC would be looking into it if they weren't shut down. Uh, the <laughs> Congress is going to be doing an investigation. We'll see where it goes. Well, and, and that's the silver lining from something like this is that at least we can say – Wow, if this caused 911 services to go down, there's a hole here where redundancies need to be put in place. And, and hopefully um, that's something that if we get a government again, um, we can go ahead and look into. We should so. borrow a government from another country. Are there, are, are there ones yeah, not I being used? Oh, yeah, the British one. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. It's not being used now, not until Brexit, right? So right. We can... <laughs> yeah. And even after that, I mean, I doubt it's going to be used much. <laughs> so I was just over there on the holidays and, and I was watching a New Year's Eve program and they said, uh, if you just want to feel good about what's going on with British politics, just look to the U.S. So uh, <laughs> felt, felt good about that, that we can we can help out uh, our friends across the pond there. So, uh, All right, let's uh, shift gears next uh, over to Apple. And this article is on Gizmodo. Uh, what happened the last time Apple had a panic this bad? So if you aren't aware of the panic, we're we're kind of in a, in a Bitcoin-level freefall for Apple stock. Actually, that's not true at all. It's gone down, I think, Point zero one percent today, uh, but basically Apple has released earning or released a statement saying the earnings uh, are not going to uh, to meet expectations, and that's based on uh, emerging markets, specifically China, not uh, uh, buying as many iPhones that they're making for us. And uh, I think I think that was basically it. It was, it was emerging markets in China are, look, looks like the yeah. problem. Now, I'm no financial analyst, so you know I'll throw that out there. Uh, but it is uncommon for Apple to miss their, their earnings numbers. And they were the, the first trillion-dollar company a few months ago, and now they've kind of backed off of that. Uh, they're going through a rough patch. There's a lot of people that are attributing this to the U.S.-China uh, trade war that's going on right now. iPhone sales are a part of it. But I'll tell you, I, I kind of feel like uh, a, a good bit of this has to just be how unexciting – the new iPhones, the new MacBooks, the new Mac Minis, like really 2018 did not introduce any new Apple hardware I cared about. And, and let's let's qualify this a little bit. So I use an iPhone. Peter, I know you use an iPhone. Joe, mm-hmm. are you? I'm Apple through and through. I mean, everything I've got, even down to my watch, the whole thing. But I have to say, I have spoken to so many colleagues here in, in our office, but also, you know, friends around the world. And they are saying exactly the same thing, that Apple is getting a little bit boring. It's a little bit staid. We don't have any new toys from Apple and we haven't had anything for quite some time now and there's been nothing to actually wow anybody and a lot of people are now moving to they're moving to Android. Android seems to be the new Google phones. They certainly seem to be the the hottest thing right now and there are people out there that are trying to link up their Android phones with their MacBooks because they've got rid of that phone. So I don't actually think that it's just the phone. I think it's Apple technology as a whole is a little bit stayed. I mean, I I was, you and I had a discussion uh, a few months ago about sort of having a touchscreen on an Apple laptop. Now, I would love to have a touchscreen on an Apple laptop, and I've been able to have one on a Windows laptop for years. 
and yet Apple still decided that this this touch nice bar, bar, yeah, touch was bar madness. Replace that. Apple yeah. has determined that you don't deserve it because yeah. if you that's needed it, it actually, they would yeah. have given it to you. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't understand your own needs. That's that's really the mm-hmm. the message here. <laughs> I you know I. I do the the one year upgrade plan on the cell phone, so I because I, I like to have a new phones, so I get a new one every year. Uh, I was upgrade eligible when the new iPhones came out, but I, I have an iPhone 10. The iPhone 10s is basically the same phone. I, so even though it was free for me, I I didn't upgrade because uh, it wasn't it wasn't worth the hassle of transferring data, which is actually pretty easy to do these days. <laughs> like a cable, right? Yeah. It wasn't worth pairing it with the Bluetooth in my car again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people are probably out of that one-year upgrade. I mean, I know a lot of people that have sixes and, and sevens still. And, I mean, how long ago was that? Two years? Over I two still years got now? an eight. I still got an eight. An eight, yeah. And I'm not going to upgrade. I didn't upgrade to the 10, and I haven't upgraded to the 10S because, to be honest, I don't see that it delivers any additional value over and above the eight. Uh, let me tell you, as somebody who's upgraded... Face ID sucks so bad. <laughs> I wish I had Touch ID back again. I, I could see going back to an eight. <laughs> it, it wouldn't want to recognize his face anyway, so we're good. <laughs> I've, I've decided something must be wrong with my phone because I mentioned it to my brother over the Christmas break, and he he whipped his phone out and, and it it uh, you know, unlocked. He, yeah, he laid on the table; it would time. unlock. It was super easy, and I said, well, "Here, let me show you mine." And I just could not. I have to enter in my PIN number at least four times a day. There, there's definitely a a you so ugly joke in there. <laughs> How ugly is he? He's so yeah. ugly, even his phone doesn't recognize his face. <laughs> uh, but there's, uh, yeah, right, I've, well, I got no problem with mine. No. So, uh, so the article was what happened the last time Apple had a panic this bad, and the last time was way back in 2002. Uh, so, 16 years ago, Apple had a stock panic. And Peter, what was it that happened in 2002? Where where were you when the great Apple fell? Uh, well, that that was the the dot com uh, bust was going on and. And uh, so how did they fix it? The, the, uh, the Apple powers that be got together and said, you know what? iPhone. Let's make an iPhone. <laughs> and it solved it. So what this means is in about four years or so, we're going to see something pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Like a, a 13-inch MacBook with 32 gigs of RAM. No. It'll be that amazing. Like a like <laughs> Don's maybe phone. Maybe a touchscreen. No. Like Don's phone can rest here into the uh, touchpad area, <laughs> become the mouse, and finally give Don his dream of a phone computer. Let's, let's be realistic, right? Uh, four years from now, Apple will release a laptop with no monitor, right, because Johnny Ive says no, mm-hmm. and uh, and no no ports. It'll just be a keyboard on a metal slate, and uh, it'll have a, a touch bar. And you'll just think, think about... What you could be doing. The data it's sending you. You got to think different. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's different. I love how we can all make fun of Apple when we're sitting here with a bunch of Apple products in yeah. front of us. Oh, actually, wait a minute. I'm, I'm on my System76 laptop today because my Apple battery burst inside of my MacBook. So, yeah. Wow. Good times. Did, did, did it explode? <laughs> no, it did not explode. But okay. it will if I leave it be long enough. But it's, sure. It's got, an in, it's got an interesting shape to it now. Oh, it kind of <laughs> bubbled up. The laptop won't sit flat on the uh, table anymore. That's, That's why I fun. couldn't have it here for the show. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Why don't we have that in here? I want to see that. Quality control. <laughs> All right, well, um, <laughs> apparently, I don't know, maybe four years ago, Microsoft had something bad happen with them because they've just hit us with their, I, I, I'm going to say equivalent to the iPhone. I feel like this is almost our joke, like WTF article <laughs> know, for the week. it kind of is. And we'll get to that in a minute. But this is a, a real <laughs> article with real words and facts. Uh, over on Engadget, uh, we have an article that Microsoft patent suggests you inhale whisper to your voice assistant. So it makes a, a good point that uh, people are are talking to their devices a lot more than, than they've been. And if you're on the subway, if you're out in public, maybe you don't want to be uh, saying certain things out loud for everyone to hear. could be sensitive information, could just be you don't want to be that rude person, uh, probably not the second one. But uh, they're suggesting that uh, that you whisper to your device, which sounds reasonable, and I'm sure it's probably something your device can handle now. But, no, they took it one step further, and they want you to inhale whisper, uh, which is breathing in. And, uh, and it's said in here that that's because uh, it has less chance of it being... Um, uh, misunderstood. I guess it's clear. It's, it said it would be whisper. less likely to be distorted, which yeah. I, I didn't quite understand. I guess when you whisper, do you distort your words? Well, maybe the the air coming over the microphone or something oh, can distort yeah. I can uh, see how that. it in- hears. But but we learned something because as we talked about uh, this beforehand, before the show, 
Don mentioned that he doesn't even know if he can inhale Whisper, <laughs> and he didn't yet try, so we can save it you know, for it, the podcast. Well, I, I've got to say that I have not even thought about this. I missed out on the conversation just before this podcast, and mm-hmm. um, I've been thinking about it as you've been talking and looking at the diagrams that you had on your screen there. Which, which uh, I don't know how that says uh, inhale I mean, whispering. There's they, an arrow somewhere, I'm they sure. Look as though, at one point in time, it looks as though that particular model is actually eating the gadget mm-hmm. as opposed to talking to they the gadget. They say you have to hold so, it like less than two millimeters away from your mouth. And, I don't know uh, if we can see that back on the screen again. If yeah, we can, um, the... Yeah, <laughs> if we can, we can see that. It, it's... Yeah, I there mean, is. what is going on? We've got what is really going we, on on that? You're basically putting the device into your mouth, <laughs> and uh, and that's how you can tuck it. I mean, honestly, I don't know why they're not just using like bone conduction or something. <laughs> yeah, to, we've seen but, that before. But now, I, I know I can inhale whisper. I, I I will often inhale whistle as well. I can whistle both ways. So I I've thought about this before, not not in a tech sense, but uh, are you familiar with the band Tenacious D? Of course. So there's a Tenacious D. It's not really a song. It's a bit where he is um, inhale singing. And uh, and so I remember that. I never tried it myself. And so the idea of inhale whispering, you wouldn't sound normal, right? I'll try it. It's, uh, okay. uh, Order more horse drink while I See, I think you're trying to be very <laughs> okay, loud. Right. I think you're trying to be loud. I, I need to leave right now. Yeah. <laughs> I like the start the song. Yeah, I don't are know. You, like, are you, you inhaling when you do that? Yeah. That, uh, well, you sound normal. It was much quieter. Though. I sounded like Super Dave. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to try on camera. Uh, rest in peace, by the way. Super Dave uh, passed away just a couple oh, days ago. Yeah. So, did, I, didn't make the national news. I don't know how we didn't cover that. <laughs> well, uh, I think you were trying to whisper, inhale as loud as, as you loud can. As loud as I could, yeah. Which I understand. <laughs> this is a microphone, and, and there's people listening, and they want to know what you're saying. But do you want to give it a try? No. No. <laughs> no, not on camera. No. She's actually been she's been uh, inhale whispering this whole time. You wow. just couldn't hear. I have. Yeah. That's how effective yeah. it is. Yeah, the only thing that could hear me is this 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 sort of high-tech ring that I'm wearing <laughs> that could actually pick it up from the desk. It, Which, is is your Alexa off right now? Uh yeah, it's off. I, I can turn it on. You want to turn it on and see if you can whisper inhale and get it to hear you? <laughs> I don't know if I can reach all the way over there. Is that patent <laughs> infringement? Uh I, I wouldn't know. Well, I mean there's a patent now. <laughs> If if it can hear you, then Microsoft can sue. But see, then I would have to inhale whisper loud, uh, which you already did. which I already did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does Does Amazon sell horse tranquilizer? Alexa, <laughs> Alexa. No, nothing. It sounds no. super yeah. creepy though. It does. It's, is that what the bird box is about? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so if you're gonna order duct tape or plastic bags, you can inhale whisper. Is that how they talk in that? Uh, uh, what's the the other movie that was where they can't? Talk because uh, the silent, silent place, quiet place, quiet place, silent night, okay, quiet place. Do you think they could whisper inhale to each other and be just fine? The, the movie would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wonder if anyone tested that theory. Well, uh, anyway, I, I don't think your Microsoft devices will do it uh, quite yet. We don't know because we're uh, all on Apple devices here. But um, if you have a Microsoft device, please put it in your mouth. Uh, and let us know what happens. <laughs> this is why they've been pushing so hard to waterproof things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to get it to IPv6 or 7 so you can... Uh, you, you please don't swallow as you're breathing in. Like, There's going to be a whole new set of people choking now on their yeah. Cortanas. Well, like figure 3C looks like they're putting on lipstick or something. It's Yeah. Or the yeah, I think they're vaping. This is the a vaping. I, I don't like need to see that again. <laughs> Fig- just... Figure 60 is just... It's a vape watch. apparently so anyway that's exciting stuff uh coming from microsoft um very soon are those lips in 3b (laughs) (laughs) you know i think they they are i think they are actually yes they are well i don't even know what that device is but that's the thing yeah there could be something cool new uh that is coming it's uh, yeah it's disturbing coming near uh to a Microsoft Store near year. All right, <laughs> let's shift gears before we get ourselves in trouble here. Uh, and uh, over to Android, uh, who you cannot whisper, uh, inhale whisper to. Uh, this is on androidpolice.com. USB Type-C authentication program gets started. Sounds like it's effectively DRM for Type-C devices. So does this mean that uh, I have to pay to use my Type-C devices? All right, so this one has a bit of a negative bias attached to the article. So if we take that away, what's going on is uh, right now, you can buy a USB-C device from anybody, plug it into your laptop, it'll detect it, and stuff will happen, right? 
Well, the problem is there are several types of malware that are out there right now where people can flash the firmware on a USB drive to actually infect it in its firmware. So, you know, these USB drives, they effectively have an entire computer built onto them, kind of like the management engine in your CPU. So when you plug it in, if it's a, a, a USB-C device, it just plugs in and it runs. You can't control it. As soon as power is supplied to that key, it starts doing its work. And there have been some malicious ones, like the, uh, the kill USB stick, where you plug it in and it sends a volt into your computer and fries the motherboard. So what they did is they started a program saying, what if we actually made it where there had to be a license attached to the key so that when somebody plugs in a USB-C device, they have to validate the license before the device is allowed to actually do anything. This would prevent malicious devices and man in the middle, like there's those keyboard uh, character sniffers where you plug them in between the keyboard and the, the desktop and they record everything. So this would effectively stop that. So that, that's the intent of the program. Now it certainly could be used to say, well, for now on, if you manufacture a USB-C device, you've got to license it through this program. And the program is actually being administered through uh, DigiCert, who, uh, you know, we use DigiCert for our SSL certificates at IT Pro TV uh, and, and at TechNado. I think we're on Let's Encrypt with TechNado. Ah, uh, well, I can't remember. But we do use DigiCert for some of our commercial stuff. Uh, I like them. They're, they're a good company. But anytime you put one company in charge of a, a registry like that, it sets up that possibility of, of blocking out independent people or hobbyists or whatever. Or their competitors. Or competitors, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you, in theory, it could be like DRM. Uh, and so that, that potential is there. But, you know, that potential is there with any technology, in my opinion. I, I think it's a good program. It's definitely got a good intent. All right, so two questions. First of all, um, we're talking about this in terms of USB Type-C, but uh, the the things that you're saying can happen, that's any USB. That can oh, yeah. happen yeah. with existing USB. They're just saying, hey, this is the new one. Let's get out in front of this, essentially. Okay. Now, um, let's see. What I can't remember what my second question was now because I just asked that one. Well, while you're thinking about it, yeah, the thing about a standard like USB 2.0 and 2.1, you can't go back and retroactively change the standards. They can't bolt the stuff on. It has to be a new standard like USB 3.2 or 4.0 or, or whatever, uh, and that's where we'll start to see that incorporate or it has to be something built into the operating system. So we'll, we'll see how this one ends up. But since it's hardware level, I've got to imagine it's going to be incorporated into a newer standard. But I've got to imagine, though, that there are going to be people out there that are going to have their noses put out of joint by this. And there are also going to be, as you mentioned, local sort of independent people who are going to be creating, you know, apps, programs, things like um, we saw sort of, is it the Amazon Fire Stick, Google, mm -hmm. Drive, that sort of thing. You know, there are going to be people that are going to create applications like that and are not going to want to be tied down to this yeah. sort of thing. And so, you know, how do they then operate in this world? You know, in a way, this is history repeating itself because we went through all this with UEFI BIOS uh, years ago, where if you want your operating system to boot on hardware that's set for secure boot mode, you have to have a digitally signed certificate from Microsoft. And so the, the various Linux distros that were out there, and, and even Apple, uh, well, Apple didn't really care. They just went and got a license from Microsoft. But, but everybody else was all up in arms about it. Microsoft ended up issuing free licenses to some of the well-known distros to take care of that uh, so that you can boot up. But this is kind of the same thing, right, is that your USB key would need to have a license to be able to be plugged in and, and activate. Okay, I remember what I was going to ask. Uh, do you, does this mean that you have to be online? Like, is it checking against... Is it going off and finding, is this a, a, a proper uh, developer, or is that something that's like that database is, is then stored locally? So I'm not 100% positive because I haven't read the full standard yet, but if DigiCert is managing it, then it should be like SSL, where there is a trusted root authority somewhere, usually offline, right? So w when you go for an SSL certificate, you can't actually talk to the root authority, but there's a digital signature that you check against to determine whether something is valid or not. And you can do that even without internet access. As long as that key is one that's trusted in your library and, you know, that handshake passes, it'll work even if it's offline. So I would, I would assume, so I'll be clear here, I'm, I'm assuming, we know what happens when we assume, uh, but I would assume that it operates the same way, and that's why it makes sense to have somebody like DigiCert run it, uh, in which case offline would not be a problem. This just opens the door, though, for people selling, you know, black market or, or under the table adapters for USB-C devices. It also opens the door for people selling software that's, you know, uh, yeah. well, completely open to actually unlock a lot of the USB-C devices. Well, let's go full conspiracy here, right? Uh, you could buy an iPod. Uh, well, I guess they don't sell those anymore, but, you know, an MP3 <laughs> player, whatever. You, you buy one of these things that has a license on it, right? 
And then one day the vendor says, you know what, we're not going to support that device anymore, and they revoke the certificate. Right. Now the USB port's disabled. You can't plug in and use it anymore. So they, they can effectively take away hardware that you bought with your own money. That that would be the the really negative side of something. And like and this. how does that tie in then to sharing, for instance? Let's just say you wanted to share a device. I think sharing's illegal these days, isn't it? I, what? Didn't, so didn't I Congress can't... pass a law on that? Oh, really? <laughs> so I can't give you my USB-C device and say, here, look, you can borrow this for a couple no, of days? If you do something oh, like that, no. we have to build a wall. Oh, well, <laughs> just keep me out. That, right. uh, okay, Make I get the hint. Pay for it. <laughs> uh, just, uh, you know, for all of you tweeting to us right now, uh, you can still buy the iPod Touch. Uh, it's available at apple.com slash iPod dash touch. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, available in five stunning colors. There's a, there's a nice shade of pink there as well. A8 chip. Yeah. Eight uh, megapixel camera, and you can still get the Zoom on eBay. Well, sure, yeah, <laughs> it's your local history museum. But uh, I mean, what worries me about something like this is uh, is that maybe we start to go away from a standard too. That, that someone else says, "Oh, fine, if you're going to do that, I'm going to create my own port, the Peter port, and it's going to okay. <laughs> let's call it something else." But uh, you know that, that I mean, Apple has obviously made the decision for me that USB-C is what I need. Now I'm going to have just like I've got to pull it up. To, whenever somebody mentions standards, I always think of the uh, – there's an XKCD here. I've got it on my computer. Uh, there's an XKCD strip about this. Uh, you know, there's 14 competing standards. You know, so somebody says, that's ridiculous. We've got to come up with one standard that everybody follows. So they do that. And now there's 15 competing <laughs> standards. <laughs> like, like that's what will happen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, hopefully uh, – I guess hopefully this doesn't happen. <laughs> or hopefully hopefully people just stop putting bad things yeah, on uh, USB-C drives. You know, there's a lot of businesses that basically disable the USB ports on systems. There's a lot of attacks that are out there, especially if you work in any kind of industrial control system. These are these are real risks. Uh, this would mitigate it. So there's, a, there's absolutely a positive side to it, and there's a negative side. It's really up to us to be involved in that process to make sure that we get the positive aspects out of it. Uh, we'll see. You know, who knows where this will end up. In my experience, give somebody a rule and somebody else is going to try and work a way around it. Yeah. It can always happen. It's gotten really sad here. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's, let's, let's end with a couple of, uh, of funny, fun stories. Well, not if you're a traveler. Funny, fun stories. Um, but uh, we, we had some drone issues the last couple of weeks. Uh, first of all, there was the, the drones uh, over in, in Gatwick shutting down. Uh, holiday travelers that we can talk about. But uh, this one also uh, from BBC.com, uh, New York New Year drone plans scuppered by rain. So we were going to have drones dropping instead of a ball? Uh, it was the police drones, wasn't it? The, yeah. They were supposed to be like surveilling the crowd because what, what better terror target can you think <laughs> of than the New Year's crowd in Times Square? So the, that's, yeah, that's actually very true. I thought you were going to say what better target than the drones themselves, because tell me that they can't be hacked into. Uh, I'm sure they can. Actually, that, that did happen, didn't it? In the um, in the was it in the Afghanistan front where uh, the drones were sending video signal unencrypted and people found where they could intercept the satellite transmission and, and wow. actually see it like that. That happened. Yeah. So, so apparently drones have the same. Uh, vulnerability that the Wicked Witch had, which is <laughs> getting wet, uh, because and, and I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's the water itself. They probably have, um, you know, uh, they're they're probably well protected there. But uh, just in the sense of maybe a, a driving enough rain can push would, something that's so think, lightweight down. No, I think it's more to do with the camera. To be perfectly honest, mm. you know what it's like. You say, I mean, come on, we work in the industry. You know, if a camera gets wet or it gets moisture on it, you can't see anything anyway. Mm, little windshield wiper. Uh, that's, oh, that's yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, when you get a phone or a watch these days, they say they're IP, what is it, IP87 or something? Yeah. I forget Six the number. Seven, yeah. uh, so they're water resistant, but are drones? I, I don't own a drone, so I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. I mean, a lot of them have those covers on them. Uh, so I think there's. It all depends on what, what we're about talking water about. Water on the propellers. Yeah, that, if, if it's helicopters can fly in the rain. Down. I mean, those yeah, are gas. They've got. They've got an engine. Well, we are obviously not the experts. Do they fly <laughs> helicopters in the rain? Yeah, they fly helicopters in the rain. They, you think Vietnam, where they said, you know what, the rainy season, well, <laughs> we're going to take this part off. Military helicopters, I think, are one thing, but like a civilian helicopter wouldn't fly in the rain, would it? I don't I, see why not. I don't see why. why. Yeah. 
Oh, we just got word from the back that yes. uh, (laughs) Yes, we are told helicopters are flying currently. (laughs) Well, I just thought it was really interesting that uh, following the Gatwick story, right? Uh, The airport in in Gatwick in the United Kingdom, uh, somebody. Did you guys follow the story? Like all the weird details yeah. that they came out? I was flying into Gatwick the next week, so oh. I was watching. So yeah. initially they were saying that somebody was flying two drones out over the airstrip. They had to shut the airport down. They ended up shutting it down for almost three days, I think. Yeah, they um, had 67 people. Actually, I've got it up on Wikipedia right now. They had 67 people who reported drone sightings, and it affected 140,000 passengers and over 1,000 flights. 140,000 people who couldn't get in and out of the UK. Yep, because of two drones. Because of, yeah. So they they arrested a couple that lived near the airport that were drone enthusiasts. Uh, After a day, they cleared them. Turned out it wasn't them. They brought in the military to try and track down where these drones were coming from. Uh, The military couldn't, couldn't find them. And then they started saying, well, actually, we don't have any evidence that there ever were any drones in the first place other than people's commentary. Like, there's no pictures or anything. So now there's some doubt as to whether there were actually drones even there. It's a really weird story, the way the whole thing's going. Uh, but I just thought it was so crazy that rain can shut down drones. Drones can shut down an airport. This is like our new rock, paper, scissors. So I think airports need to be able to shut down rain. And... Well, that doesn't quite work either. So the whole game's a little off center. Well, no, hang on. <laughs> uh, I watched a movie some point. Oh, it was probably a few years ago now. Aren't they sending? Weren't they sending up sort of technology into the clouds to dissipate rain clouds? Uh-huh. You know, I, I know they can salt clouds to make it rain. Seems like they could dissipate it. There's right. a dance Big, you can do. Put a fan up there. <laughs> to make it now rain this I'd well. like to see. And by the way, I, I went over to Google and I typed "can helicopters" and it said. Fly in the rain? Nice. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, we're not the only ones talking about this. So I'm over here on Quora, uh, which <laughs> you know uh, is getting the best information. And uh, and yes, they can fly. And um, they just have uh, you know the VFR rules, visual flight uh, rules, and instrument uh, flight rules, that the same kind of things you have uh, with fixed-wing aircraft. But Nine out of ten anonymous Internet voters tell us that uh, helicopters can fly in the rain. It also suggests you have one of the helicopters with the doors, because otherwise you'll get very well, wet. Well, you'll get wet. Oh. Yeah. I added that part myself. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> But yes, I've never heard them say, oh, in this no, morning's traffic uh, report, no. uh, let's go to Chopper 1. Oh, no, it's raining, so, he's, yeah, so he's who knows? His, uh, Good luck segue. out there. Yeah. You mentioned doors, though. I don't think that doors, in fact, I don't think that doors are a good idea when it's raining, because when it's raining, you've generally got wind. And you don't really want doors, do you? Because doors, then, they're sort of wind-resistant, aren't they? You're going to get blown around everywhere. So you want to just open with the... Yeah, just wear something waterproof. Oh, you know what? 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 The Coast Guard. <laughs> Haven't you ever watched them do one of those what? rescues yeah. out there in Alaska when it's raining? You know, Prince William was an air sea rescue pilot. I, we was. could ask him. Let's, Helicopter pilot. Do you know I, him? What was that of movie course with, I do. Um, I've got his personal Robin Hood, mobile number. Uh, <laughs> it's Kevin Costner. Um, Robin Hood didn't have it. It's never helicopter. It's like, wait, wait, Robin Hood was the character? (laughs) Oh, oh, the actor. How I remember people. Okay. (laughs) It was the movie with the guy from Tin Cup. That's right. The golfer. Where he flies a helicopter. There's a helicopter and there was water. That's all I know. The Perfect Storm with uh, Marky Mark and uh, George Clooney. Okay. Uh, There was the the, uh, helicopters in that one as well. Ashton Kutcher was a. Oh, I think he was in The Guardian as well. Yes. Yeah. I feel like. We've really gotten off track here, so let's get to our last story because we, we've got some questions for Joe too, and uh, uh, this uh, this isn't a two week podcast. So um, th- this one uh, actually came across this on Ten News uh, from I don't know South Florida maybe somewhere yeah WTF <laughs> Wow D- WT Florida so it's got WTF right there uh, in w- the in WTSP. the title yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, under under the video it says WT. Florida. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Florida billboard uh, looks hacked with a, a satanic corgi and a naughty gorilla. So apparently, uh, if you have, uh, I, I'm sure you've seen those electronic billboards around now. That's kind of the uh, the new thing that they probably a lot safer. You can change them really easy, and it's great. But you still have to go ahead and lock those down because otherwise you get things like this. What do we got here? We've got... Uh, <laughs> the gorilla. Yeah. So what does the gorilla one say? It says, oh my God, it's Santa Claus right over there. Holy, mm-hmm. Oh man, I've been a naughty boy. And there's a gorilla. <laughs> so what I don't like is these people, 
figured out how to hack the billboards, and this is the best they could come up with. Well, I was just about to say that. Are you kidding me that that was the best they could come well, up no, with? Could they not be a little others. bit more imaginative? Uh, so there's so a corgi with the corgi. Let's do. Let's look at the corgi. Corgi. It's got. Uh, I'm assuming this is a an existing billboard that they just tweaked, uh, but it says dog friendly patio, the bistro, and then the corgi is is thinking <laughs> Satan is the one true god, as corgis uh, do. We all know that's the queen's dog, right? It it is the queen's. I mean, dog. not that specific dog, what if, but that breed. What I, if it turns out the corgi's right? What if Satan is the one true god? And that's how we find out. That could be it. This could be the messenger. That's <laughs> that's rough. I didn't even think that, and and bearing in mind, I have quite a few pups. Um, I didn't even think that dogs were capable of thought. Do, are they aware of a higher power? <laughs> they know oh, when food thought. is. In the well, bowl. yeah, I mean, mine's yeah, I'm sure aware they're capable of, food. of thought, but yeah, like <laughs> Purina is the one true god. I think we are. <laughs> that we are the gods. We are serving them. I like the next one, the Water Oak Country Club, because it's subtle. Uh, it says uh, we're growing. <laughs> we can only feel our power getting stronger. Soon we'll, we will be unstoppable. Uh, which which is a great slogan. And then the last one uh, just looks like a bunch of lawyers uh, saying, these people think connecting a billboard to the Internet is a good idea. These people are wrong. <laughs> uh, and that uh, that's really the takeaway here that, um, yeah, they're wrong. Yep. So do you know how they fixed the problem? They changed the default billboard password? They turned the billboard off. Okay, so that'll work too. <laughs> they works. just turned it off. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this is a classic Internet of Things hack, right? That, uh, you know, these industrial systems get connected to the Internet. They're not very well secured. They use default passwords or no passwords. And people get in. I thought this was a pretty creative one. I, to be perfectly honest, uh, I do not understand billboards. And it's not that I can't read, because I can but surely billboards are there just to cause accidents. Because if your billboard is really catchy or it's quite funny, then aren't you going to crash your car no, no, instead the, of actually driving? That, you shouldn't a, be paying attention No, the billboards that. are there for when the accident happens. You have something to look at as you sit in traffic. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Right, okay. You know, Especially the ones for the lawyers, right? Because after you've had the accident, and you need that number. And 1-800-ASK-GARY. That's right. <laughs> Which, you again, know, if you're in Florida. I didn't appreciate billboards until I drove on I-10 through Texas. So you can drive for an entire day on I-10 and still be in Texas at the end of the day. <laughs> and the east to west, just across the whole. You might see three billboards, and it is so yeah. incredibly boring. Yeah, uh, Florida has more. I, I read this, so this is my, my um, unsighted fact of the day. Florida has more billboards than any other state. In fact... Florida has more billboards than the number two through number five states combined. That we just we have more billboards than everybody. Going to Quora to fact check you. <laughs> Florida, yeah, leads. Uh, this is on. Oh, this is from the Billboard Trade Group. Oh, um, if you can't trust the Billboard Trade Group, who Florida leads the pack with a whopping eleven thousand one hundred nine active permits on file for billboards. Wow, Orange County, Florida has eight hundred and one. Orange County is Orlando. Orlando, right? yeah, that's, that's for the tourists. <laughs> International Drive has 799 of those <laughs> uh, down there in the Disney What's that so. in just sort of one mile? Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're stacked <laughs> vertically. What, so. no, what, what if it's one of those rotating billboards? Does that Does count that as one? Or is that I think that counts as one permit. <laughs> but oh, but yeah, that's the question permit. because these digital ones, they could be changing. I mean, during the course of a day, you could have 100 different things on there yeah. if you wanted to. So, Like satanic corgis. <laughs> satanic corgis. So that's good to know. Um, that, was, that was a great story. And, and if... Just want to say, if you if you're going to hack a billboard, take some time to think about what you're going to put on there first, because really one out of four of those was was good. I think they've set the bar here, though. Like you need to be at least this funny, yeah, to ride this ride. Well, yeah, it? but it's not difficult to beat that, is it? Yeah, I can think of some things. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a particularly funny person, but I think even I could beat that. I I appreciated the fact that, uh, well, I guess uh, other than the gorilla one, the other ones weren't like vulgar. Yeah. If your kids saw it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Sometimes they put. Other things up. Yeah, that, uh, that could have it could have taken a very bad turn yeah. <laughs> around the holidays. You don't want to be answering those questions for the kids. All right, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, while we have uh, Joe Peacock here, we wanted to ask her some questions that I guess this is a question that you've been getting a lot. So you've, you've been hearing, uh, how do I get involved in ITIL as a trainer? Is that that's well, it's not just in ITIL, to be honest. It's I, I have. I'm not too sure why. I think possibly it's sort of new year, new career. I think, you know, that's where, where people's minds are going. But for the past few weeks, I have had quite a few inquiries, both sort of on LinkedIn and, um, you know, email, etc. People asking me, how do I become a trainer? And my first sort of question really is why? 
Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to put yourself through this? <laughs> but is it a train the trainer kind of thing? I mean, are you, when you're, I know that, that in addition to uh, teaching here at IT Pro TV and doing the courses uh, for us, you have some contracts that you work on as well. In those situations, are you training end users or are you training the trainer? Right. So let, let's put a bit of context to that before I, I answer that because, yes, I can do train the trainer. However, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot more convoluted than what a lot of people think. And I think, you know, the, the general sort of feeling amongst everybody is that, oh, I've got the certificates, now I can train because I'm a good people person. I'm good at talking to people, therefore I can train. It's not quite as easy as that. And this doesn't just apply to ITIL. It applies to absolutely any IT accreditation. And, I mean, Don's going to back me up on this one, aren't you, Don? For the yeah. most part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in order to be able to train in any IT accreditation, whether it is technical, whether it's sort of Unix-based, whether it's, you know, Microsoft-based, whatever, even ITIL governance, you have to have undertaken a train-the-trainer program. You have to go through a series of training sessions with an accredited trainer's trainer. That sounds a little bit weird I know but somebody who is actually a trainer themselves but who also trains trainers and there is an art to this it's not just as easy as standing up in front of a group of people you have to understand sort of learning techniques you have to be aware of you know simple little things like body language like you know looking out for people's responses looking to make sure that they're paying attention and they're not like Peter is right now sort of <laughs> glazing over and you know that, yeah, exactly. Because of his grand so, aspirations of becoming a trainer. I'm just right. thinking, oh, I was thinking, well, who trains the trainer trainer? <laughs> it, look, and this, it, just, it kept going from there. No, yeah. this is an art form. It goes back centuries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you do have to go through a train the trainer program. And part of that train the trainer program is also a co-teach. And a co-teach means that you have to be physically in a room with your training mentor. You are not teaching a full class at that point in time. What you're teaching is a portion of that class. So maybe um, I would normally start people off with, I start them off with an hour per day. So on a three-day class, I'll say, right, well, I want you to take this particular hour, and then I want you to take this hour on the second day and this hour on the third day. And I do that because what I want to be in a position to be able to do is, is kind of pick up the pieces if something hasn't been covered. So I want to start off with an hour. I want to get confident with that person. And then as we move through into the next training course, then I'll build up their time. And it's only at that point where I'm confident that that particular person can go through the entire class without any intervention and without missing anything, and that's when I would then say to them, right, okay, you are good to be a trainer. Now, is this your policy you're saying, or is this, this, is, the, this is the policy for... No, this is, a, this is a standard policy okay. across the board, across all disciplines within IT. Some organizations and some examining institutes, and it depends what it is you want to teach, some will insist then on an assessment, a separate assessment, so not by the person that's actually trained that potential trainer, but by somebody else, maybe somebody from the examining board, who will then come out and assess the new trainer in a class this to make sure they know what they're talking about. Yeah, this sounds like getting a driver's license or a pilot's license where you're not just going to throw you in the car after you read the book, but you're going to sit next to someone who can take over or push that emergency brake or, or something. Right. And, and we're, we're talking about ITIL, but this is, you mentioned across the board, Ronnie and I did this for Cisco. Uh, we were Cisco Certified Solutions Instructors, CCSIs, and we had to attend a week-long course uh, with a, it was like a four-hour lab exercise we had to do at the end, and then we both had to teach for an hour uh, and they recorded it and reviewed it back at Cisco before we got our, our authorization because they, they want to make sure that you actually know how to, well, how to speak and, and communicate and, and properly explain the topics. Yeah, it's, it's even though you don't work for Cisco in that situation, you're you're representing their brand in a way, yeah. in, in a way, and so they want to make sure you're you're 
saying things correctly. And I want to say that that Cisco one is actually quite, by the sounds of things, that's quite um, a, a light train-the-trainer program because certainly from the from a governance perspective, the trainer-trainer programs are a lot more, um, they're a lot more intense in terms of getting you in front of a class. And that's simply because we want to make sure that you can answer any question that might come your way. And there are a lot of questions that will come your way to do with personal experience, to do with, you know, this is what's happening at work right now and how do I actually alleviate this situation? What can I do about this particular process? It's not quite working. And what they don't want, what the examining institute don't want really is anybody stood in front of a classroom and who's just going to recite from a book because that's not going to answer the query for them. And it's only after you've completed all of that train the trainer that you are then able to, to train. You're able to teach. Now, some examining institutes will then monitor that trainer's pass rate as well and want to ensure that that trainer remains relevant and they'll monitor the pass rates. And if it falls below a certain percentage in any given class, then you might have to go through the process all again. Now, I don't know whether that happens in any sort of any of the technical um, yeah, most of them uh, are focused around making money, so they just care about how many people <laughs> you teach per year, not necessarily the quality. It's a sad state of affairs. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about was with ITIL, I know there's different levels of, of the training. So, you know, you start off with like ITIL foundations or practitioners, so that's kind of your, your entry level, and then it moves up into the more advanced stuff. So if I want to be a trainer just for the low end, just for like ITIL foundations, is it the same process as the high end or is there a different process for that? No, it's exactly the same process. And in fact, you cannot train at foundation and level unless you are an ITIL expert yourself. So you have to have achieved ITIL expert and then you have to, and bearing in mind that you only have to achieve 17 credits to get through to MALC and then become an, an ITIL expert, if you pass the test, obviously. You don't necessarily have to sit all of the exams in order to be an ITIL expert. So you can only teach the ones that you've passed, hmm. which means that if I hadn't passed my service operation exam, then I couldn't teach that. I could teach the ones that I had passed, but not the ones that I haven't passed. Well, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. I want to train a training me that has actually passed the exam, right? <laughs> Yeah, going back to my analogy, I don't want to have a driving instructor going, well, I don't know, You don't tell me. You don't want me flying that helicopter yeah. in the rain. You want no, somebody who's been I don't trained. want anyone flying in the rain because I, that's impossible. I think the common misconception is that, oh, well, I can get through an exam and I'm a good people person, therefore I can show you how to do something. And that's exactly what we want to avoid. We want to make sure that there's, there's quality in the training that's being delivered. And of course, don't forget these examining institutes. I mean, they've got to, they want to keep their pass rates up as well from for their students. Because let's think about this logically. If say people sit as the examining institute, if every single person that sat the test well, only 10% of them actually passed that test. What does that say about the test itself? It either says that the, the training is not particularly great or it says that the test is not relevant to the subject matter. Well, the first place I would look would be at the trainer and say, well, what have you been teaching them? Because you clearly haven't got through, the, you know, you haven't got enough skills to be able to get that, that group of people through the test. Now, under ITIL version three, we had ITIL Foundation was kind of where it started. They added yep. practitioner later on. They right? did, yeah. Uh, and then only a couple the, of years ago, at the intermediate level, you had where you had uh, CSI and all those other ones. There were how many were there? Seven different mid level. So we had five life cycle courses, and then we had four what we call capabilities, which looked at the actual the actual application and how we adapted a lot of the disciplines within ITIL. So we had nine at intermediate level and then we had one above that which was managing across the life cycle and each one of those if you pass the particular exam then you got a certain number of credits and you had to achieve 17 credits in total before you could sit managing across the life cycle all right so that's 12 different courses that made up that whole process so if you wanted to be able to teach everything you, you need 13, to pass all of those oh, because you got managing across the life cycle as well i thought i was counting that so you had nine Oh, we had the bridge as well, which is, yeah. Okay, all right. So, um, uh, so anyhow, so that's a lot. That's changing in ITIL version 4, isn't it? It is, Isn't it yeah. reducing? Yes, it is. 
Yeah. So we're going to, I know that um, I actually did a, a webinar not too long ago, and I know that we've got some videos on YouTube just to explain what's happening with ITIL4. As we start off with ITIL4, in the coming weeks, to be honest, we're going to be introducing ITIL Foundation, which is ITIL4 Foundation. And then we still split off into two with ITIL4. So we will actually still go down the two different paths, but the number of the, the number of um, exams that you can take is going to be reduced quite significantly. So we're going to have four in one stream and two in another on the intermediate level, as you might call it that. And then we have the professional levels where there are two different exams um, that will, well, so not exams, there are two different levels. So as we split into the two streams, then you will pick, you know, whether you want to be a strategic person or whether you want to be a, an application person, as I would call it. So looking at the application of ITIL itself. Now, what has changed, and, and this is where our sort of 13th stroke 14th comes in, is at ITIL master level which is one above the ITIL expert. And at ITIL master level, we are making changes to that. It hasn't necessarily been decided as yet as to as to what sort of changes are going to be made. But I can tell you that there are going to be changes and we no longer have to submit all of the um, white papers uh, that we would have to do previously for ITIL master. ITIL master was a two-year qualification in version mm. three. I can tell you it won't be that for version four. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Now, you know, <laughs> speaking of that change, uh, if, if somebody out there, one of our viewers, is interested in becoming an ITIL instructor, an actual authorized or accredited instructor, um, would you recommend they go ahead and start now or wait until the new round? Because the, the, the mid-level of ITIL version four courses, those aren't out yet. No. So is it is it worth it starting that process now, or is it better to just wait until ITIL version 4 fully drops? Well, you know what? That was a question I was asked um, this morning, funnily enough. Um, exactly that question. And no, I didn't prep him beforehand. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. ITIL Foundation for 4 is not quite out yet. It will be out within the next month, but it's not, it's not out yet. It hasn't been released quite yet. The new intermediates aren't going to be released until the second half of 2019. If you've got enough credits, if you've got 17 credits and you're just waiting to sit your managing across the life cycle, then I wouldn't wait. I would take it. I would certainly take a look at our series, Managing Across the Life Cycle. Even if you don't want to sit the test, I would certainly watch the series because that's going to add some context to you for coming into ITIL 4. If you're starting off from scratch, then I would wait until ITIL 4, to be perfectly honest. However, that doesn't stop you from actually watching what we've currently got in our library. You can still do that, but you don't necessarily need to take the exams. That's entirely up to you. I would say, though, if you're starting out from scratch, I would wait. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not trying to say I'm lazy, but uh, <laughs> I'd wait because, you know, it's a couple extra exams you could save right there. <laughs> a, little, a little less effort. <laughs> are you thinking about money here yeah, or are well, you just thinking about effort? you got to set attainable goals, right? <laughs> so it sounds like, yeah, first steps, if we're, if we're looking to get into this, is make sure you've got those certifications yourself. And then uh, once you, you have all those, which you, you want to wait for, I uh, tell for uh, that come back and find a train the trainer program and, and start there. Now, we don't offer a train the trainer program and, and, you know, we can help you to a certain extent, but we do work with a, a partner. We work with Passion IT, who's a partner with our ITIL content and our Prince2 content and anything to do with PeopleCert, and they could certainly help you and assist you with a train the trainer program. If that's something that, you know, people are genuinely interested in, then we can certainly help. We can put you in touch with the right people, but it's not something that we offer because quite frankly, we do not have the ability to be able to give you the classroom experience yeah. because, of course, you know, we don't go out to, to that many classrooms. We could have people come out here, hang out in the studios. Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, like it still wouldn't get them through their assessment. Exactly. And that happened to me, actually, the other week. You had an ITIL groupie? I did, yeah. <laughs> it was frightening. <laughs> it's like the Taylor Swift stalker story, but for ITIL training. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a wasn't thing. quite as exciting. Well, uh, Joe mentioned uh, the the webinar that we did recently, uh, and that's actually available uh, if you want to go check that out at uh, itpro.tv/webinars. Uh, that was ITIL 2019 and beyond, and we and we talk about ITIL 4, what's coming uh, in the future there. And actually, great segue to let you know as well. Joe has another webinar coming up for us, so if you. If you liked uh, what you've heard from Joe today, that's definitely one to check out. And if you didn't like what you heard from Joe, Wes will be there uh, as well uh, as the host. But uh, that's Thursday, January 17th, and it's 10 must-have skills for leadership in IT, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, U.S. Eastern, on Thursday, January 17th. Head over to itpro.tv slash webinars to check that out. So any final thoughts, Joe, before we close? Anything uh, else we we should let people know about? Any final thoughts? Well, obviously, tune for in today. to all of the ITIL content. <laughs> that we've got. I mean, you know, there's a final thought. You know, I I guess that the best advice that I can give anybody is don't give up. If you think that, you know, you've got what it takes to be a trainer, then don't give up on your dreams if that's something that you really, really want to do. But bearing in mind, standing in front of a classroom of people, it can be quite daunting, especially the first time you do it. I mean, you know, you've been there, Don. It's not exactly as simple as you might think it's one thing sitting you know one end of the of the classroom watching a trainer but it's quite another thing standing there in front of 30 people who are all looking at you and expecting you to know everything yeah and are asking questions that are just bizarre and off the wall (laughs) (laughs) well the best answer is to know everything which you can certainly do uh, by watching joe's courses over on (laughs) it pro tv and Great segue again. Uh, if you want to do that, we've got a special offer for you. If you head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado, we have uh, seven-day free trials for you as well as a promo code you can use for 30% off your standard monthly membership or your premium membership. And uh, and that's for the life of your membership that you can use that promo code. So that will uh, get you that that deal uh, for as long as you keep your account. Um, check it out there. We also have some uh, business information there. So if you're on a team and you want to find out about getting a demo for your team we can certainly set you up with that uh, and you can check out all of those uh, ITIL courses uh, with the right account there so definitely head over to uh, go.itpro.tv slash technado and find out uh, all about that great stuff so all right guys well thank you so much uh, thank you Joe uh, for joining us today uh, for those interesting news articles <laughs> and offering <laughs> us uh, the insight and hopefully answering those questions for the people that have been asking that uh, that's very helpful stuff well, thank you for having me, especially when we started talking about satanic corgis. Yeah, you didn't know what, what your day was going to I did in, not, know. Yeah, no. and Don, thank you for, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Being here, yeah. yeah. Th- thank you for uh, all the emails that we're going to get from helicopter pilots <laughs> telling us about um, how they can fly. So uh, thank you all of you, of course, uh, for watching as well, and uh, make sure to leave us a review and uh, let your friends know about this. and. I guess final thought would be uh, pray for your corgis uh, tonight because uh, their souls need it. So thank you so much for watching, and we will see you next week on Technado.